Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Church. How you feeling today? <laughs> truly, truly a joy to be here with you. Hey, if this is your very first time at any one of our locations, whether you're joining us at our Banta campus, our Franklin campus, our Garfield Park campus, our Seymour campus, if you're joining us on our online campus uh, or one of our e-microsites, whether that's Martinsville, if you're in Terre Haute or in Iwu or the Johnson County Jail or Corrections Facility, or if you're watching at our e-microsite in Sarasota, Florida, yeah, we do have one there. Anybody jealous? Uh, we want to give you a very special welcome if this is your first time. Can we give it up for all of our first-time guests today? It's great to be here with you, and if it's not your first time, welcome back. Great to see you as well. Uh, if you're watching from another state, we'd love to hear from you. So if you'd let our online pastor, uh, Matt Scobell, know, uh, hey, we're watching from Texas or Minnesota or California, New York, wherever you're watching, we'd love to hear from you as well. Uh, we're, we're starting a brand new series today called Triggered. Triggered. When I first got the idea for this series, some of our staff said, hey, I'm not sure about that word. It could be Triggering. I was like, <laughs> exactly. That's the whole point. Um, the, the word triggered is an interesting word. Last couple of years, it's been extremely popular. People have used it uh, a ton. People say things like, hey, my coach triggered me, or my boyfriend triggered me, or you know, my boss triggered me. I got triggered today in traffic when this guy cut me off, or well, they didn't know how to drive around the roundabout, or whatever it is uh, that, that I got. I got triggered. It's a very common, common word today. What do we mean by the word triggered? I like to define our terms before we get into any serious content. So I looked up the word triggered in the, in the dictionary, Webster's Dictionary. This is what it says. Triggered, caused to feel an intense, usually negative, emotional reaction. Caused to feel an intense, usually negative, emotional reaction. There's other emotions that people experience when they're triggered. Uh, sometimes it's anxiety. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's sadness. Sometimes it's loneliness. Sometimes people get, can, can get triggered into self-hatred or self-condemnation. We'll talk a little bit about that today. But typically, it's anger. You with me? It's anger. That's the primary emotion. The other day I was walking from the locker room and out to my car, I was uh, after a workout, and I was all showered and had my bag on my shoulder, and I'm just walking through the main, you know, uh, walkway there, and this guy steps in front of me, and he says, I need to talk to you, and I was like, oh, he was pretty serious, I could see it in his eyes, I didn't recognize him, so I was a little nervous, but, you know, I can handle myself, so, you know, he, he starts, he goes like this. He points over there, and he starts walking towards the racquetball courts in the, in the gym there. And, 
The racquetball courts in the gym, if you haven't been inside LA Fitness before, they're, they're, they're just kind of enclosed in a glass door. But when you walk in there, it's like airtight and quiet. And so he wants to talk privately. And so I follow him. I follow him into the racquetball court. I'm like, hey, we get in there. He closes the door. I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, you're a preacher, right? I said, well, you know, I try. Very next words out of his mouth, he says, I don't like you. You're serious as a heart attack. I said, oh, okay. Well, what's going on? You know, he's, his next statement was, my brother's a preacher. He's not a very good person. He's done some pretty bad things. And you're a preacher. And I don't like you. He said it again. I was like, oh. Okay, so in my head, I'm thinking guilty by association. My very presence was triggering to this man. I hadn't even done anything. Just happened to be a fellow preacher. So then he looks at me, he says, now that's, I know that's not right. You didn't do anything, but I still don't like you. And I need you to forgive me for that. I was like, oh, okay. Well, it's your lucky day. I mean, this is... <laughs> This is going to be an easy one, you know what I'm saying? So I looked at him and I said, I forgive you. And I patted him on the shoulder like that. And then I thought, you know what? I need to give this guy a hug. So I reached in and I, I went in for, 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 for a good man hug. You know, two pats on the back. I said, how's that? Does that feel better? He said, he said yeah, it feels good. I just had to get that off my chest. I'm glad you got that off your chest. Can we, can we leave now? Can we... I was about to tell him, hey, this week I'm preaching on forgiveness. In fact, I did tell him that, but I did not invite him to church because I thought, I'm his trigger. So I should have I invited him. But anyway, we walked out, and I said to him, hey, I hope your brother gets his act together, and, hope he, you know, he, said, and he said some things later. But here's, the, here's what's interesting. You can be the trigger for somebody. I was the trigger for this man, had no idea, never met him before. People get triggered. By people, words, situations, bosses, you know, all kinds of things. It is normal to, for people to become angry because they've been triggered. And I want to talk to you about this, to this over the next couple of weeks because it is a major problem in our society today. And here's really where my heart is, and it's the first idea I want to share with you. Nothing good happens when you're triggered. I mean, really, has anything good and productive ever come out of your triggering? <laughs> man, I had this triggering moment today and had this great idea for this new, you know, product that's going to change our life. You know, I got triggered in this relationship and it led to this great conversation and, you know, we, we reconciled and <laughs> nothing good ever comes out of triggering. Did you know that the Bible actually speaks to this issue? It really does. It doesn't actually use the word triggered, but it does speak to having a quick temper or challenges us not to have a quick temper. Listen to what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter seven. Be not quick in your spirit, in your soul, to become, say it with me, angry. Don't, in other words, translation, modern translation, don't get triggered. Why? Because anger lodges where? In the, in the heart of a fool. In other words, you get real foolish when you're angry. And how do you get angry? Because you got triggered. 
And that's typically when we do the most foolish things in our life. When we send that email we shouldn't send. I had a gentleman come down after the nine o'clock service today. He said, man, this message spoke to me. I got an email last week at five o'clock. It just triggered me. And I sat there and I brewed over that email and brewed over it and stewed over it. And, and then I finally sinned. I was like, why did I do that? He said, I made a new rule. Never answer an email after five o'clock. We do, we, do, we do our most foolish things. We say the most foolish things when we are angry, when we allow ourselves to get triggered. Listen to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 17 says, it's real simple, a quick person, a quick-tempered person does foolish things. That's what, that's, it's just really clear. Like we ruin our lives when we're angry. We say things we shouldn't say. We do things we, didn't, we shouldn't do. We, we call when we shouldn't call. We, we, we make posts. On, on social media, we should never make, we should never post when we're, when we're triggered. In the Bible, there's this incredible story about King David. He's on the run from Saul. If you've read the Old Testament, David was supposed to become the next king. but Saul was, oh, was king and his, was the first king. And Saul catches wind that David's going to replace him. He gets angry and jealous, so he tries to kill David. He's out hunting David. David and his 600 men are on the run. They meet a bunch of shepherds in the field one day, and the shepherds are taking care of several thousand sheep and goats, and so they sort of kind of protect them while they're out there, thinking maybe we'll get something in return for this. So that's what they do, and then they finally send message to the, to the, the shepherd, who, the, the man who owns all the sheep. His name is Nabal, and they say, hey, we've been, we've been out here in the wilderness. We were taking care of your sheep, making sure no wolves would get them or there's not no one who would steal them. Can you spare a few sheep and goats to feed my men? Nabal gets this message and he responds back, Who are you, David, on the run from his master? Who, where have you even come from? You're just, you're a nobody running from your, from your master. So David gets this message and he is deeply insulted. In fact, he is triggered, to use our word, Listen to his response. First Samuel chapter 25. Get your swords, was David's response as he strapped on his own sword and he took 400 of his 600 men and he went after Nabal. He did not want to take Nabal out to a nice lunch and say, now why did you say those hurtful words to me? He went after Nabal to cut his head off and to kill all of the men in his crew, in his party. It was only by the grace of God and a woman <laughs> Abigail, who talked some sense into David so that David did not commit mass murder. He was this close from ruining his life before he even became king. How close have you come? Because you're, you got triggered and you were angry and you're about to do something foolish and you stopped short. Some of you didn't stop short. You went ahead and said the thing and did the thing and made the post and threw the punch. And you had to pay the price for it. You ruined a relationship or... You had to go to jail because you were triggered. We do foolish things when we're triggered, yes or no? Amen. So that's my heart behind this series. We gotta back up and learn to learn a different way to go through life because the truth is, as a Christ follower, as a Christian, it doesn't have to be that way. So here's what I wanna do in this series. I wanna talk about a big idea that we're gonna kinda cover each week and today we're gonna kinda unpack it a little bit. 
Uh, and then under that big idea, there's four kind of sub-ideas I want to tease out, and, and, and you'll get what that means in just a second. But the big idea I want to share in this series, and it's not a popular idea. In fact, the pastors who want to grow their church and reach lots of people, they don't talk about this stuff because it's not very popular. But I'm going to talk to you about it because I really care about you, and I want you to experience the life that God has designed for you. If you want to live what, what one of my staff members called a triggerless life, I thought that was really good. I do. Anybody like to live a triggerless life? Like you never get triggered? Like you're super chill? Wouldn't that be cool? You'd be like Jesus, right? Except for that one time when he flipped the tables. I mean, okay, then, so, then, so, 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 that, so that. But, but most of the time he was super chill, right? He was super chill. I want to be that way. I want to live with a life filled with peace. I want to live a triggerless life. Well, people look at me and they say, how come you're not angry? I'm just chill. It's fine. How do we do that? Here's the big idea. Ready? We need to take responsibility for our lives. We need to take responsibility for our life. You need to take responsibility for your life. Now, again, that's not a popular idea today. We live in a world where what's popular is, it's not my fault. She did it. He did it. The coach did it, the boss did it, my brother did it, my sister did it, my spouse did it. I mean, the apple hasn't fallen far from the tree. What did Adam say to God when God confronted Adam about who ate the fruit? Adam looked at God and said, this woman made me do it. And then when God confronts the woman, what does she say? The devil made me do it. I mean, we're still, it happened in the beginning of the Bible and it's still happening today. We do not like to take responsibility of our lives, but if we want to live the life that God has planned for us, we have to start doing that. Let's look back at the definition of triggering that we got from Webster's Dictionary through the lens of what I just said. Triggered, caused to feel an intense and usually negative emotional reaction. Hmm. Think about those phrases. Caused to feel? So my feelings have been caused by you? That's classic blame shifting. The reason I feel the way I do is because you triggered me. You are responsible for my emotional state. You feel, did you see it? You didn't see it the first time I shared the definition, definition with you. But now it comes to light. Cause to feel a negative emotional reaction? It's not my fault. It's the boss's fault, it's the wife's fault, the husband's fault, the brother's fault, the sister's fault. I'm just a victim here. You caused me to feel a certain way. And I'm telling you that is a victim mentality, that is a blame-shifting mentality. So if you wanna become the type of person who doesn't get triggered, you have to drop that. You have to drop this definition of what it means to be triggered. And you have to go more along the lines of what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches personal responsibility, that I'm supposed to be in control of my emotions and you're supposed to be in control of your emotions. Say, where does it say that in the Bible? Great question. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Think of a mighty warrior, a soldier, who can lead his military force into an army and win a battle. And he who rules his own spirit, that word rules, it means to have dominion over to have authority over what? Not another person, yourself. The first victory is victory over yourself. 
The person who's able to control their anger, the person who's able to rule his, his spirit, her spirit, is better than a person that can take a city. <laughs> Think of William Wallace. Have you ever seen Braveheart? I mean, how can you get better than William Wallace? Rule your own spirit. Become triggerless in, in your own spirit. Control yourself. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible actually teaches that, that God has designed you and he's called you to control yourself. Why would King Solomon say, it's better to, be, to rule your own spirit than to be able to take a city with a military force if it weren't possible to rule your own spirit? See, some people make the argument, especially today, there's no way I can control myself. I got triggered. You don't understand. He did, she said, they did. What am I supposed to do? My emotional state has been caused by another person. No, here's what, I, here's what I expect you to do, and here's what God expects you to do. Control yourself. It's possible, and you and I can do that. Why? Why do we need to do this? Well, when you allow yourself to get triggered, you're giving control of your life over to somebody else. Did you realize that? And I use this word very, very intentionally. If you allow, because it is something you allow to happen, okay, you're not a robot, when you allow yourself to be triggered, you give away control to another person. It's almost like you're saying, hey, I'm a puppet, and you can play me. You can play, here, take the strings of my life, dance around with the strings, do whatever you want to do, and I'll just react to whatever movements you, whatever you say, I'm just going to react. I'm a puppet. I, can, I have no control over myself. I can't control my temper. I, can't, I, can't, I don't know how to rule my spirit. So whatever you say and do, I will respond to, and that's my life. And that's the way some of us are living. We're just reacting to whatever someone else is doing or saying online or whatever action they're taking. And we're just triggered, 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 triggered. It's like we're a pinball. Ever play a pinball machine? You're just bouncing all over the place. Or ping pong ball. If you've ever played ping pong, the ball just goes back and forth, but between two paddles. And that's the way some of us are living emotionally. And we think it's okay. It's like it's not our responsibility. We're just being bounced. What do you expect me to do? I expect you to control yourself. So I looked at this definition from Webster, and I didn't like it, cause to feel. You can't cause me to feel anything. I choose. You choose, right? We allow people to, to, to cause us to feel a certain way, but that's a choice. So I came up with a new definition because, you know, when you pastor a church for as long as I have, I can start making stuff up, okay? So... <laughs> I can't say it's from the Bible, but I can say, you know, it's in my head. And so I came up with a new definition based on what the Bible teaches that of what a Webster should put in their dictionary. This whole cause to feel emotion, negative emotions, I think that's hogwash. Here's a new one, ready? Danny Anderson's version. Triggered, an emotional overreaction to outside stimuli. That's what it is. I overreacted to something outside of myself. I got angry. I became fearful. I feel anxious because of the outside stimulus. Something outside of me, I allowed it to give me an overreaction, a negative overreaction. And that's my responsibility, not yours. And so I need to go and apologize for my emotional overreaction to your statement, to your action, to whatever it is you did. And that's responsibility. And that's, that puts us in the driver's seat to kind of take control of our lives. Let me give you a, a, 
what I think is one of the best passages in the New Testament. And I, would, I go back to this over and over and over again. I want to encourage you to do it as well. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul teases out the qualities of, that you're supposed to be experiencing in your life, the qualities of Jesus in your life as you walk and grow as a Christ follower. He says it like this. He says, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, or another version says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of result or fruit. That's what fruit meaning like apples, oranges, but not apples and oranges. Depression, anxiety, joy, peace, things like that. He says, when you walk with the Holy Spirit and live with the Holy Spirit in alignment with him, surrender to him, the result in our lives is going to be love, joy, and peace, can you say the next one? Patience. I was driving home last night from Alabama, and there was an 18-wheeler in front of me, and he was going so slow. And we had to get off of 65 and get back on. It was a detour. And I'm thinking about this sermon. I was actually going over the sermon in my head. And patience was running thin. I was tired, I'd been in meetings all day, and I lost it, and I hit the gas and got, went off the road and passed the 18-wheeler, passed a whole bunch of cars on the way. The New York driving took over. <laughs> Sped past the 18-wheeler and got onto the highway, and this van followed me, and pff, he was not happy. He got real close to me and sped past me and honked his horn and did some other things, some other gestures. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to preach this sermon in the morning. And I, I lost my patience. But Paul says that, hey, when you walk with the Holy Spirit, when you live with the Holy Spirit, this ought to be the result. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. And then that last one, that last pesky quality, self-control. You know what it means? It means to have the dominion say over your soul. You're the one in charge of how you feel. Wow, that's, supposed, that's God's plan for your life. He wants you to take control of your life. And you have to move into the driver's seat to do that. Make sense? So big idea for this series, take responsibility. Now, what I want to do each week is kind of tease out what that looks like one by one. Today, I want to look at the first idea. What does it look like to take responsibility for your life? It's not what you, you, you might think, because there's different reasons why we get triggered. So we're not going to cover all of them today. We're going to cover a different reason next week, and then next week, and another reason next week, the week after that. Today, I want to look at one of the big reasons, maybe the primary reason why we get triggered. And so what does it look like to take personal responsibility? You have to identify what is broken in you. Identify what is broken in you. Let me, let me kind of explain what I mean. You see, when you are triggered, it says more about you than the person who triggered you. I know that's a hard pill to swallow, but I'm going to say it because I love you, and this is really, really important that you get your heart and brain wrapped around this. When, when you and I get triggered, it actually says more about me than the person who did the triggering. Here's what I mean. We get triggered many times because of unhealed, unresolved pain from our past. Something has happened to us, a traumatic experience, death of a loved one, a betrayal, 
of a friend or a spouse, some sort of physical abuse. Sexual abuse is rampant today. Maybe you've experienced it. And, and because we go through this traumatic experience, a wound, we, we, we suffer a wound, an emotional wound. Sometimes it's a physical wound, but a lot, most of the time it's, it's an emotional wound. And here's what we do, here's what we do. Instead of seeking healing for that wound, we just ignore it, we just bury it, we just try to move on, pretend like it didn't happen. And because we do that, the wound doesn't heal. And then time goes on, and we have this belief in our mind somehow, I don't know where we heard it, certainly not from the Bible, that time heals all wounds. It is not true. Time does not heal wounds. But we think it does. So we let it go, and it's unresolved. And, and then, five years later, 10 years later, 15, sometimes 20 years later, we, 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 we've gone through this life getting triggered, 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 and we're like, what is wrong with me? And what we don't realize is that the reason why we keep losing our temper or getting angry or being triggered into depression or sadness or being, even being triggered into self-hatred and self-loathing is because we have some stuff in the past we've not dealt with. You see, I believe that your unresolved pain is really the source of the problem. That's what I believe. I wrote it like that in your notes. Your unresolved pain is the real source of the problem. That's a tough pill to swallow. I was talking with one of, our, one of my friends last week about this sermon, and this particular person had lost a parent when she was in middle school, around 12 years old. And here's, here's, what, here's what she said to me. She said, Danny, what you're saying is so true because now I'm 30, and it's only been within the last seven months of my life that I have experienced healing from the pain of losing my mother. It's been 18 years. That's what we do as humans. We go through something traumatic and we think, well, we'll just, we'll just bury it away. Time will heal all wounds, but it doesn't, it doesn't. We have a wound in our soul, not in our body, but because it's not healed, because we haven't worked to resolve it, every time someone says something or does something that even gets close to that wound, oh, we get real, we get, oh, there's pain, we get triggered. Why, because there's an unhealed, isn't that, isn't that the way it works with our body when you have some sort of unhealed, like a burn, especially a burn if, you're, if you've ever been severely burned? It's like if somebody even gets close to it, ah! It's like, don't touch that! It's like, whoa, whoa, what happened? Oh, I got a... Or, or I dislocated my shoulder, or I got a, my back is out, or don't touch that area of my body. That's, it, it's, it works the same way emotionally. That's why we're getting triggered, because there's something inside of us that, that has not healed, and every time someone gets even remotely close to that or says something or does something, ah, it's an open wound. And that's why you're allowing yourself to be triggered, because you've never sought healing for that thing. So what do we do with that? Well, it's... The answer is pretty simple. You must seek healing in the place of your pain. That's what you must do. If you want to live a triggerless life or become triggerless, you have to work on the wounds and seek healing. You say, well, how would you do that? How do you go about you know, seeking healing? Well, there, I'm no psychiatrist or psychologist, but I have worked with enough people over 17 years, even, and even longer than that with high school students. 
to help walk through some, some difficult pain and seek healing. And even in my own soul, like I'm, I feel like my own soul is an experiment. Like, hey, let's try this, let's try that. And I've done stuff inside myself to work through things. So I wanna share with you what I think are some really super practical ways to, to get some healing in your life so that you can stop getting triggered all the time. You ready to hear it? Your healing will probably involve forgiving somebody. I can just tell you that right now. Maybe not, because there's different, there, not everybody's pain involves somebody who's hurt them, but a lot, for a lot of us, the wound hasn't healed because you have not done what we talked about last week, which was to say, hey, you don't owe me anymore. I choose to cancel the debt. You haven't done that yet, so there's an open wound, and every time you think of that person, you, you, you just strangle them. Yeah, I've been there, been there. Still working through some of that in my own life. But you have to begin saying, Lord, I, you forgave me, so I'm gonna drop the charges, and it's a gift I'm gonna give to myself because once I forgive, the bitterness and the resentment has no place in my heart. I can't ever hate that person. I, I'm not even gonna experience contempt, contempt for them. It's a gift that you give to yourself. What else does healing look like? It looks like talking to someone, talking to someone. A therapist, a counselor. Here at the church, we have an entire counseling center. I don't know if you know that or not. People to talk to. That's why we put people in small groups or try to put people in small groups so you have someone to talk to, process life with. We have Grief Share. That's a, that's a group that meets for people who've lost loved ones. Divorce care. We've got addiction care. Why do we do that as a church? You think it's fun? You think it's fun for the staff to, to do that? No. It's hard. It's difficult. We do it because we want you to have someone to talk to. Because when you talk through your problems and your pain, there's healing in that. In fact, this is something that dudes struggle with. Dudes, can I just tell on you guys for a second? <laughs> Ladies, I, if you live with a dude or, that doesn't like to talk, I'm going to help you out here a little bit, okay? You can, you can send me a Starbucks card later for this. <laughs> Listen, fellas, pay, pay attention, guys. I want to talk to you real quick. <clears throat> a lot of us have this stigma in our mind that to talk to another guy about your pain equals weakness. I don't need to talk to anybody. I'm fine. I'm a man. Yeah, but you're angry all the time, and you're destroying your wife, and you're crushing the spirit of your children. I'm fine. I'm you need to talk to anybody, talk to somebody. It's for girls. <laughs> Fellas, talking to somebody about your unresolved pain is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Somebody please say amen. amen. Ladies. <laughs> Expressing what happened in the past to someone who cares even if they have nothing wise to say in return, the fact that that person cares about you and empathizes is healing in and of itself to connect with another human being who cares. So most likely, your healing is gonna involve forgiving someone, talking to someone. Let me tell you this, this next one. Ooh, this next one's gonna touch, touch, a, touch a spot, sore spot you got to stop rehearsing the wrong. 
See, the reason why the wound isn't healing is because you keep going over it and over it and over it. He did this, he did this, he did this. And you feel it and you feel, and you feel it every day. Why? Because you keep going over it in your brain, playing it out. I don't know if you were like this when you were a little kid or not, but uh, whenever I got a, a scrape or, you know, fell off my bike or something like that, get a cut, you know, I mean, it hurt, but man, it was cool. It was cool because there was blood involved and, you know, I had two older brothers from, ah, you, you know, I'm bleeding. Look at that, you know. And then what happens with the, with the wound? The body starts to heal itself, right? Because that's what the body's supposed to do, physically and spiritually. Like God wants you to heal internally as well as externally. So he's built your body to heal. So it starts to develop a scab, right? Now, I don't know if you were like me when you were a little kid, but I, I like to pick my scabs, okay? <laughs> Gave me something to do, but... Uh, it also would, would get you ble- get it, get, get the thing bleeding again. And then you could kind of relive the, 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 aw- the, aw- the honor, you know, the, uh, the valor of the blood, you know. And, and maybe it's like, oh, and then, you know, people say, oh, you're bleeding. Oh, I know, it's bleeding, you know. <laughs> so I would pick the scabs and, and cause it to bleed. And then my mom, you know, my mom was a, such a typical mom. She'd say, if you keep picking your scabs, you're going to get a scar. And I'm like, I know. That's why you pick them, because you want scars everywhere, you know? You should just, just want to be scarred, you know? And it's just a kid thing, a boy kid thing. Anyway, so I picked them, picked them. I wanted the, I wanted the scars. Anyway, so now, <laughs> you know if you've picked your scars, you know, it, it doesn't heal. It takes very, very, very long to heal. Some of you even took, a, took things a step further, and, and you ate your scabs. I just, <laughs> you did, you did. See, now... Look, this is life. You're, you were a kid. I don't know why you did it. You do. It's the strangest thing I've ever seen, but some of you are like, that was me. I, you know, you're shrinking down. And... These are the same people who ate their boogers, but that's a whole nother story. I don't understand that either. Picking them, I get, but eating, I just, okay. I've lost 90% of you right now in this sermon. So... Try to come back, come back, come back, to come back. It's funny, funny. Now that we're off the rails, we'll, we'll stay off the rails. My wife actually had a friend in, in, when she was growing up that would save her scabs in a jar. <laughs> Look, the, we, this is, the people are so weird. It's, sorry, I mean, it was a thing. Anyway, let's get back to, let's get back to the point. If you pick your scabs, it just keeps the wound open. Guess what? The, the, the emotional version of picking a scab is rehearsing the wrong in your mind. <laughs> and the wound stays open. And as long as the wound is open, because you're rehearsing in your mind, the pain and the triggering will continue. And every time you see that person, every time you hear a word that reminds you of that person or that situation, all of the emotion comes back. Here, here's, a, here's a great word of insight from your pastor. Ready? Stop it. <laughs> just stop doing that. A great way to stop doing that is to take this fourth step, which is to give the wrong a new meaning. Give the wrong a new meaning. This is probably my favorite, okay? What do I mean by that? Most of the time when we go through a traumatic experience, we attach negative meaning to it, negative emotions to it. If you can manage to redefine the event with a new positive meaning, the wound will begin to heal. This is what Joseph did perfectly 
in the story in Genesis. If you don't know the story, his brothers betrayed him, threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. Later on in his life, when God fulfilled his plans for Joseph, he had this, re, you know, this reuni- reunion with them. And his brothers thought, Joseph's going to kill us. He's, he's going to remember what we did. He's going to get revenge. He was in a position of power to do so. And instead of getting revenge on his brothers for selling him into slavery, listen to what Joseph says to them. He says, guys, you intended to harm me. Doesn't even say what you did was okay. It's like, I know, you, I know that you wanted to hurt me. I know you wanted to kill me. But God is involved in my life, and he had a different plan. See, God intended it for good. You see, here's what God was doing. He brought me to this position to save the lives of many people. What did Joseph do? He gave a positive meaning to a terrible, traumatic event. Therefore, there was no bitterness. There was no anger. He threw a party for them. He fed them the choicest food of Egypt. He loved on them and invited them to move in with him. Wow. How do you heal? How do you heal from a past traumatic experience? You attach new positive meaning to the negative event instead of rehearsing it over and over and over in your mind. God is up to something in your pain. There's something good that's going to come from it. Focus on that good thing. And then this last thing, number five, perhaps the most important, is ask the Lord to heal you. You know, the Bible talks about different names of God, Jehovah Jireh. Another name for God is Jehovah Rapha in the Old Testament. Jehovah Rapha means he is the God who heals. It actually comes from a verse in Exodus chapter 15. Listen to these words. I, the Lord your God, I am the one who, say it with me, he he heals you. You don't have to even go back in the Old Testament to see this. You could just follow Jesus through the New Testament, or you could watch The Chosen. <laughs> and you can see Jesus, one of the primary things he did when he was in his ministry, three-year ministry, was to, was to heal people, both physically and emotionally. He would heal blind people. He would heal people who were lame. He even raised a little girl back from the dead one time. There's this woman, I'm in the episode right now uh, of The Chosen, where the, the, the woman with the issue of bleeding comes to Jesus. He hasn't healed her yet, but in the next episode, he will. <laughs> and I just watch that and I go, ah, oh, that's God. That's, that is G- Jesus loves to heal. In fact, it's his heart. He's wired up your body to heal. Like when we get a scrape or a cut or a bruise, like the, immediately the body takes over and it starts to heal. And what we need to do is we need to go to the first aid kit. We need to go to God and say, God, I'm broken, I've been wounded. I'm gonna, I need you to come in, open this thing up, take out what you need, and I need you to heal my pain. The betrayal, the sexual abuse, the physical abuse. person who's lied to you, hurt you, the person who hurt someone you loved. God, I need you. I need you to come into my life and I need you to 
heal my brokenness. Because if I don't heal, I'm gonna continue to live frustrated and angry and triggered all the time. See, the main source of the problem is not the person who's doing the triggering, it's the unresolved pain in your heart. I know that's a hard pill to swallow, but it's so true. So my question to you today is a simple one. Will you seek healing from your pain? Will you go to Jehovah Rapha? Will you go to him and say, Jesus, I need you to heal me? At all of our campuses, I've asked the campus leaders there just to create some space, maybe just two or three minutes. We haven't done this in a long time at our church. For you to respond. Where I stop talking and you ask God to meet you here in this room at your campus, in your living room. And ask him right now in this space to supernaturally enter your heart and heal the wound. And so for the next few minutes, that's what we're going to do. You can stay in your seat and do it. You can come down front here if you feel led to. And just take a knee and pray and open up your heart and say, Jehovah Rapha, will you come in? and Will you heal my heart? You do as the Holy Spirit leads you to do. And then our campus leaders will come up and close us out.